Welcome to Commission Impossible. I'm Scott Fish, and with me, as always, is Ryan McDowell. We have become known for our commissioning over the years, got together to start a podcast to help other commissioners out there. If you're new to the show, all episodes are pretty evergreen, which means you can go back and do what many people do, binge them. What we do here is go over listener questions, bad commission stories, interesting league ideas people have sent us, go over some of our own ideas that have become very popular, and we answer just about every single question that comes through us, or comes to us. We answer every single question, pretty much. You can email us at commishpod at gmail.com. Now, on to the show. Ryan, my man, my chair's a little squeaky. <laughs> uh, we're going to do we go a little, yeah, we're going to do a little bit of a weird show today. Not our normal commissioning show. It's, are you excited for it? I am here for it. Yes. Let's do it. Yeah. So the, I, I put this out there in the social media space and people seemed interested in it. And it's a side of, of commissioning that 99% of people listening don't have to deal with. It's, <laughs> but it's something I do and I, I actually really love it. I, I'm very passionate about the business side of fantasy sports and, and I've, uh, I've, you know, it's just something I really love. And I thought we would take an episode to talk about the legal side of commissioning fantasy leagues, uh, fantasy contests. Me specifically, I do, you know, redraft and dynasty leagues. Uh, there's a there's a few other you know wacky formats, but they they all all the stuff I do falls under the fantasy contests uh, laws. It doesn't fall under the the DFS. The, it's uh it's it's an interesting thing where gambling has its own set of laws. DFS has a few different laws. Uh, fantasy contests, what I run, have some different laws, but they they are all covered under under certain things. So let's go over some of the legal side of fantasy sports. Are you interested or not interested at all, Ryan? What, a scale of one to ten, like, uh, like, what's your interest level in this topic? Um, it, it's pretty high because, and I think, uh, I think it should be pretty high for all commissions commissioners out there because, um, I, I think we're doing a lot of things that may be illegal, right? You might be doing something illegal that you don't even know about. I know. That has been the case for me in the past with some leagues I was running, and you uh, you kindly let me know, like you might not want to do that because and and <laughs> some of the, for some of the reasons that that we'll get into. Mostly, you'll get into today. This is certainly more your area of expertise. But just wanted to clarify here, uh, add in. Most people are doing stuff completely fine. It's just the if you're running a ton of leagues, possibly. Um, so, but if you're, if you're curious, just reach out to me, just reach out and, uh, I can let you know, maybe some, give you some tips or, or advice or whatever. Um, uh, I, I think the majority of people out there running leagues are not, um, so are not trying to, <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, and, they're, not, they're not subject to a lot of this, but they might be, um, but yeah, they're not trying to, <laughs> they just may not know that this stuff exists. Exactly. And, and yeah, years ago I ran a series of, of leagues called the hyperactive leagues. And I was the, uh, I did that as a commission service, meaning I did not play in those leagues. I also took a cut of those leagues for my services and uh, 
yeah, that's actually not legal unless you do all of the steps that uh, that you'll talk about today. So if you're doing anything like that, you might be crossing a line. Yeah, yeah, and we've we've kind of hinted on it uh, in the show, and, and and actually, it's it's it goes even it's even tighter than that, even deeper than that. Like even if even if all the money goes to charity, <laughs> you very well could be under this situation. Let's let's take a step back here. There are 46 states that allow fantasy contests to be run legally like the like, like a service like for a business. I'll go over the difference between, you know, having a service and and just having a bunch of personal leagues. We might be able to help you drift to that side <laughs> to to be a little a little safer. But there are 46 states that allow it. A couple of them are really, really, really hard. To, and, and Canada allows it. 46 states in Canada. There are a couple of states uh, like, that are really difficult to be in right now. Safe Leagues is in more states than – that's what we run – is in more states than any other company. But most, most companies try to get themselves in, in you know, 35 to 40 states, whatever. Safe Leagues is in 44 states. We do not – we are not in Iowa – and we are not in Delaware, which it is legal. They have passed laws there. And I believe they pass laws in Louisiana now as well. But a state like Iowa requires like thousands of dollars per year. They require th- like $6,000 per board member. They require these heavy background checks. They they have tons of restrictions that made it so currently only the big three gambling and DFS companies are the only ones that can get into Iowa. It's kind of like Virginia was when they first passed their legislation that nobody could get in for two years until they reworked those laws. And Virginia still, just to even register in Virginia, before you even register, you have to pay them $50,000. Can you imagine that, Ryan? Money is illegal. Yeah. Even like home yep. leagues or or the dynasty leagues that we run. Yep, there are. So... They're not. They're probably not going to catch you. But yeah, there's a couple of them that have, Washington and Arizona are, are really rough on that stuff. Right. Washington is is the one I I knew about for sure. Yeah. Um, and I know about it because some of the people, you know, quite frankly, some of the people in my league are from Washington. So again, now now you're you're making me feel bad here. Basically, <laughs> no, I mean, to don't. to the letter of the law, that is that's illegal, right? They're right. not supposed to pay money to be in a league. Yeah, you you're you're almost never going to get in trouble for personal leagues. And right. even even if you run a bunch of leagues, you can claim they're personal up to a degree. There are things we'll talk about, things you could probably do to make sure you look more like you're just running a bunch of personal leagues rather than a service. Like if you have a <laughs> we'll talk about it, but if you have a site where you're taking in like you have join links and you're taking in payments and like you have a you have a business that's taking in payments, yeah, you're never going to convince a state attorney general that you're not. If they catch you, you could. We'll talk about it, but there's there's some major things that could happen if they catch you. Uh, but every state has their own laws. At the federal level, there's UIGEA, which was carved out a long time ago uh, to be against gambling, but they did have uh, some fantasy football stuff in there, and they actually had to rework it w- with the advent of uh, DFS because. Uh, DraftKings and for- FanDuel forced their hands on that. 
And and I guess as well, states wanted to take a cut, so that's why <laughs> that's why you're seeing lots of uh, re- re- legislation passing all over the place, not just for fantasy sports, but also for gambling, because states want some tax dollars <laughs> out of this whole deal. Uh, some states they bundle those together, the gambling and fantasy. Some states they don't. It's I, I got a funny UIGEA story. I was on I was on Twitter. I don't know. This was either last year or the year before or something. And oh, a DFS tout, and I don't remember who it is. So don't ask me. And I don't remember what site he like was. I don't remember any of that. I just remember the interaction. So don't even bother to ask me. But he <laughs> he tweeted something about like I think one of the like either FanDuel or DraftKings pushed back like a deadline to enter a contest or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's against UIG, UIGEA and whatever. And like my joking reply to him. And, you know, I'm, I'm not super serious about this stuff. You know, like I, I, I want what's best for, I, I want people to have fun, but my, my joke to it was, I was like, so you don't play any showdown showdown slates, do you? Because those are also against UIGEA. You cannot have a fantasy contest like a DFS contest with only one game. It has to be multiple games, and that may have been reworked by now. But uh, <laughs> I remember making that joke. I'm like, "See, so you don't like it when they do it this way, but you're all for it in this one." You know, like, <laughs> like interesting. yeah, yeah. For the longest time, UIGEA would not allow. For example, a showdown slate. You can't have a contest that's centered around one game, but they have to be multi-game, multiplayer. Let's go to the states for a second here. We very we state very clearly that fantasy contests are game of skill, and that's why it's been legal for a long time in a lot of states that did not have any fantasy contest rules, but they had anti-gambling rules. Uh, because we state it's not gambling, it's a game of skill. So that's why we fantasy contests have been able to be in all these states for a long time. It's also why a site like Safe Leagues and, and fantasy contest operators, legal ones, can't have players for the United Kingdom, right? You can't have players internationally because in most international places, and definitely in the United Kingdom, people listening to this from the United Kingdom know this, you need a gambling license to run fantasy contests in the United Kingdom. See where the problem is there, Ryan? We're claiming to be a game of skill here in the United States to avoid gambling laws. Mm. But the United Kingdom, in order to run contests, you have to have a gambling license. Like, how can we get a gambling license <laughs> over there and then sit in the States and go, we're a game of skill? Just doesn't work. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that's, so, that's one of those... You know, can't have your cake and eat it too situations. Right, right. So you got companies like like a FanDuel, FanDuel who's UK owned, uh, Patty Power Betfair, I believe still owns them. They they have gambling, right? So they, <laughs> they can apply for a gambling license and uh, like they, so they can be in the UK, right? Um, but it takes like a multi-billion dollar, it takes a FanDuel or a DraftKings to be in other countries and, it, and they can only do it in a handful. Like they can't even like, so... If you're international, you're you're not really allowed to play in almost any legal fantasy contest operator in the states. Here, it's 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 basically those two are the only two that probably have international or international eligibility for anything. In general, someone running a ton of leagues contests outside of the U.S. Um, but wanting U.S. residents to play, like I'm saying, if you're a person like 
say you're in Germany or something and you want to run a bunch of leagues and have contests and have us people play. That's kind of like running an offshore casino, like, like a, a Bavada or whatever. It's, it's not legal to do that. You can't have, but you're US still talking, you're still talking about bigger contests, not your no, normal. What I, what I'm talking about is like, if someone were to start up, like we had an FSGA where there was a guy like in Japan or something that was running a contest operator there. And he wanted to, I don't remember, I don't remember the full details, but he, you can't get us citizens to play in that unless you follow all these state laws. Otherwise mm-hmm. you're basically running an offshore casino. So running a bunch of leagues. Like if you're someone from like another country and you're like, well, I don't have to worry about this. I, you know, cause I'm, I'm offshore, et cetera. I'm, I'm in a different country. I can run a ton of leagues. I can run a commissioner service. No, you're still breaking our laws. It's just, are we going to do something? Like, would the U S do something about it? Would it shut it down? You know, <laughs> it's how, how much, and, and I don't want to jump ahead. Maybe, maybe you're going to cover this. What are, what are the penalties here? Like, what are we talking about? If, if you're a site and, and I know some sites out there that are doing this, I'm not going to name names, but if you're a site that is hosting leagues, you're taking a cut, you're basically a commission service, right. But you're not doing all the things you're not checking location. You're not, you know, you're not going through all the, the proper steps. Like what's your risk here? I mean, you're not going to jail. You're going to get fined. I assume like what, what, what would happen? Well, let's start there. I just wanted to say, like, if you're running a fantasy contest operator, if you want to run leagues on, say, an app or like, or a website, like, hey, join my leagues, you know, and, and people join them and sign up, et cetera. Step one, and this is probably the most important, because if you're not doing this, you are illegal. You're just flat out illegal. You have to have identity verification and you have to have geolocation. Even the states that do not require licenses or registration, you have to have that to prove to the other states they're, you know, they're, they're joining legally in a legal spot. Um, So that's the bare minimum. And that, that costs, that costs a really good sum of money. And uh, we can go into payment processors and stuff, but the geolocation, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Vegas. You cannot bet on the Vikings to win the Super Bowl in Minnesota. I can't do that. But I can go to Vegas, make that bet, come back, and the bet is still valid. It matters where I make the bet. So with fantasy mm-hmm. contests, it matters where you are, where you physically are, when you pay that entry fee, when you enter the contest. So you can't simply – if a site is simply saying, hey, give us your address. Okay, your address is New York You're in a, or, or Ohio or some, some state that's – actually, both, New York has registration. But let's say you're just in a legal state. You can't just put in an address. They have to geolocate you to prove that you are physically located in that state when you enter the contest. Those two things are absolute musts. Otherwise, you're running illegally. But you mentioned fines. It it depends on the places. There there are states like New Jersey, which will fine you $30,000. Um, there are other states that are fifty thousand. There are states that are you know five thousand. There are there are actually states with criminal charges because you are breaking the law. Mm-hmm. So you could risk you know up to thirty thousand, fifty thousand dollar fines, and that's just from and you could risk criminal charges, and that's just from one state. I always wonder if someone gets hit with one, like does it trickle to the other states? Are they like, oh, this person's running illegally? You know, like 
are, I don't know how connected the states are, like how, how, but you could be in really, you could be in a bad spot, you know? So what, I will what say is that like, what area of, I don't even know, law enforcement, I guess, does that fall under? Like who's okay. actually tracking that or checking on those things? Uh, so I, I think it varies from state to state. And for a long time, I think they had these on the books, but they weren't like going after them. It would actually take watchdogs to report them or, or someone who's in a league that get, gets pissed to report it. I know that our company has gotten letters from like attorney generals and stuff from states. Like I, mm-hmm. like uh, a couple of years ago, we got a letter from the state of Ohio attorney general. And then he's like, you know, just to let you know, we, we passed legislation here recently. We want to make sure you're doing everything legally, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, they wanted to verify, verify a few things. And it was a simple email back and forth, you know, and they, they were really cool about it, but that happens sometimes that that happens where you, you'll just, you'll just get an email or you'll get a letter uh, about it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a thing. There's some there's some really weird things with some states. For example, New Jersey to legally have people play enter contests from in New Jersey, you need a brick and mortar store. Like not wow. store, but you need a brick and mortar location. Yeah. yeah, location. So like I've seen this chatter in the FSGA Slack channel about like what are you guys doing about this? Like like you renting office space, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, I think that's the most common thing, but you actually have to have a brick and mortar. <laughs> you have to have office so, space in New so Jersey. So does that mean in order to that, run legally, does that mean that DraftKings and FanDuel have physical locations in oh, New Jersey? Oh yeah. They, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. We all do. Like even my company does. We have, we have office space in New Jersey because, <laughs> because of it. Wow. Um, yeah. It's, it's a really interesting thing. There's, there's lots of interesting things like, oh, here's one about New York. If, if you're not registered in New York, you, uh, <laughs> you cannot directly or indirectly operate, promote, or advertise <laughs> to oh, wow. people located in New York. How are you, how crazy is that? <laughs> well, here's here's the nice thing about New York. Almost everyone that runs legal contests is in New York because there's it's it's just you pay taxes on it. You sure. it's just a bunch of paperwork. There's there's no there's not a, like a big registration like a lot like some states have. You just you just have paperwork to do. You have to file, register, you have to pay taxes. That's that's all. But uh so most people are most people are in New York. They go through the red tape of being in New York. This <laughs> I love that this is a topic that almost no one listening <laughs> has to deal with. But it's it's fun to talk about. Well, I think it I mean, I I just think it's good perspective. Um because so many you know, even if you're not even a commissioner, so many fantasy players don't understand, you know, why can't I just play? Why, why do we have to do all these different things? And yeah. Um, you know, maybe, maybe this will give them uh, that understanding. Yep. And we started on the, the identity verification and the geolocation, but that also has to be tied into your payment processor. And if I'm sure those out there actually know this, it's, it's pretty well known. I think that, um, like you can't use PayPal 
You know, like it's it's against PayPal's terms of service. In fact, there are people in in the fantasy community that are like, put happy birthday in the comments, you know, just so you can use PayPal and not. And and uh, I know a guy who had a payment for a league flagged just, you know, within the last couple months because I think they put league dues or something. And there's there was some kind of algorithm is like, oh, wait, what's going on here? Uh, but you, you have to get a uh, like you have to get a payment processor. You have to find a bank that will allow you to do it. You can have PayPal do withdrawals and deposits. In fact, I had a back and forth with another company <laughs> talking about the other day, talking about how difficult it is to get PayPal to because they worry that you, they're they worry that you're trying to use them as entry fees. But you can use them as deposits and withdrawals. They're okay with that, but it's such a hassle to to get them hooked up. This is a part that I want to interject that even places, all the places that, the legal places that do have PayPal, we do have uh, uh, other payment processors, uh, but the pain with PayPal can seem pretty, it, it, it might be possible for it to seem pretty seamless. Uh, from the user perspective, like almost like you're paying your entry fee with PayPal, but really what it's doing is it's depositing with PayPal and then it's uh, paying through the other payment processor. Um, j- just to you know clarify in case you're you're wondering or see something like that out there, or maybe they made a deal with PayPal. I suppose that's possible. Pretty unlikely, but. It is possible. I know my company had a lot of trouble with it. I know another company that, you know, a big name company in the industry that had a lot of trouble with it because it's just, it's just such a hassle. But uh, yeah, you need you need to get a payment processor and you need to hook up the identity verification and the geolocation to that processor. It's 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 a hell of a hell of a step to like it's you need a you need a decent amount of capital to get into this game legally, and that's probably why you see so few out there. You could probably take your 10 fingers and thumbs or whatever, and you probably can't even list 10 of them. I, I bet 10 legal operators out there. It's, it's that, it's that tight. Eh, maybe you can, maybe you can get close. Here's uh here's some, here's some fun, interesting notes on running legal fantasy contests. And by the way, if, if you, if you ever curious about why rake is what it is in certain places, Think about all the states that are like five thousand a year, six thousand a year. Uh, the states with the fifty thousand dollar fee. The, the you know, like we're in Virginia. Virginia is fifty thousand just to get started, and then I think it's five thousand a year after. Like all these states, that's why <laughs> we have to go through all of this. We have to have a compliance guy. We we probably need. Well, I I know we have, but I'm guessing you know I'm guessing all places have their lawyers work on these things as well. So there, there's a lot of costs involved. And not to mention the taxes in all those states. Uh, but here's some interesting things. Um, I run fantasy contests, Ryan. Right? Like I run fantasy contests for a legal operator. You do. You run. A, you run a bunch of them. And you know what that means? That means since Ethan Haskell and the DK FanDuel thing, I can't yes. play in fantasy contests anywhere. I can't play in FanDuel. I can't play in DraftKings. No DFS. I can't play Monkey Knife Fight. I can't play Underdog. I can't play NFC. I can't play FFPC. I can't play anything. It's it's illegal. <laughs> I cannot play a single fantasy. I can play personal leagues, but I can't play a fantasy contest anywhere. It sucks. You know, I yeah, that 
That does. <laughs> I I was aware of. I knew you couldn't play any on your own site. You right. Know, I, I, I was aware of that. Oh yeah, and, that's that's the even bigger no no. You cannot right. play in your in contests on your own site. Absolutely not. If you're running them as part of a business, you cannot play in them. But not only can you not play in them, you can't play anywhere. You can't. I can't even join an underdog best ball draft because it's illegal. Yeah, I don't. I, I didn't know that or, or didn't yeah. remember that. You've probably told me that in the past, honestly. But I knew I'd interject here and there. I uh, just want to interject something in here as I'm editing. Uh it's not just me because I run fantasy contests that I can't play in them. It's any full-time employee for a company that runs full-time contests. So if uh, Ryan was a full-time employee helping me with them or say like one of our full-time customer service people, our full-time customer service people can't play anywhere. They're customer service. They're not even involved in running the games, but a full-time employee for the company cannot play anywhere. Just wanted to uh, clarify and add that. That's how strict it is. There's actually another thing I could clarify and add too. Uh, you cannot, like a contractor for like a company uh, could, a contractor for a business could play in contests, but not the ones they control. So uh, if you're a contractor for that company or whatever, or you're, you know, you cannot, or if it's, if it's a contest run by a company, you cannot both commission a league and play in it. You can't run the contest and also play in it. Uh, very illegal. Um, <laughs> I say very, <laughs> like there are degrees of illegal. These are all, you know, legal and illegal things. But if you are running the contest, you cannot play in it. Um, if you want to be a legal business. So I guess the good news with that is that if you are, if you're a contractor for a site, if you're not a full-time employee, yeah, you can play in contest in, in lots of places. However, like for that specific site, you you cannot play in a league that you have control over. Like if you, you cannot commission the league and play in it, whether you're paid or not, if you're a contractor, if you're doing it for free, if you're commissioning the league for a business, you cannot play in it. You can't you can't do both of those. That's why I say Ryan can help me out with some of the safe leagues. He plays in DLF Championship Cup leagues, but he doesn't commission those leagues. He doesn't have control over those leagues. Can't be commissioner and an active player. Yeah, well. wow. I did not realize that. So no no Millie Maker for you, huh? No Millie Maker for me. I can play free contests, though. <laughs> That's very exciting. Like I did a, I did a charity contest uh, with Al Zeidenfeld, you know, for his YouTube channel last year. Uh, I played for the American Heart Association. He played for No Kid Hungry. I won that one. It was a DFS contest on uh, on one of those sites. We played for zero dollars on the site, and then you know, off site, we made a donation to charity. Uh, I can play in a free zero dollar contest. I I can do that, but I can't play. I can't play for in anything with an entry fee. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's the big deal. That's the big point. Like are you subject to this is are you taking in entry fees and are, are you running a bunch of them? Are you running them as part of like a business? That's, that's a big deal. You can be running like 20 of the 20 leagues yourself, just really fun, interesting. I run 20 leagues, you know, but once you start to make it part of some kind of business and you're definitely taking entry fees and stuff like that. And the more leagues, the less a state attorney would go, 
really you're running 50 personal leagues are you sure about that <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so there's a there's there's a bunch of things we can uh we can talk about on that side there's there's certain things that you'll always see on legal sites the legal ones uh might put these things up to seem legit, but you need a privacy policy. You need terms. You need responsible play. Like those are links you'll see on all the legal sites. It, it, it feels kind of gross that a, an illegal site would put that up, but uh, you should be able to find the the States. There's some, some places that you can't find the States until you sign up and, and look through. We've already mentioned, you can't just put in your address. You're going to have to put in your address probably, or yeah. you're going to have to put in your address, but you, you you have to go through geolocation. The address isn't what defines uh, you entering the contest. I know earlier you said you mentioned watchdogs. Yeah, watchdogs could be there. Like all these legal sites, we realize that there are people out there doing things not the right way, and yeah. most of those, you know, I I've had conversations with like. For example, before, like years ago, well before I was, you know, in this industry full time doing this, I tried to create a tournament and take an entry fee, not SFE, but and take an entry fee and and pay out. And I got contacted because a watchdog had reported me. <laughs> a watchdog for a certain site had said, "You should, might want to watch what this guy's doing." And mm-hmm. th- it was very nice and very quick. And it was just like you know, you just can't do this. This is, yeah. And I, I shot it down. I was like, yeah, you're right. Okay. I'll make it a free thing. But it's also the reason SFB has always been free is because, you know, there's a few reasons, but the, the main reasons is I want people from band States to play. I want people internationally to play. The second I take an entry fee, I'm operating a hundred plus leagues illegally, you know, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't do that. And it doesn't matter if, if I took those entry fees and every Every penny went to charity. That's, that's, I can't do that. You know, there's a, it's just the way it works. It's, it's far too public. Someone will, someone will mention something to someone or, or some state will be like, what do you got going on here? What kind of contest is this? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I just can't do it. So another thing that's interesting is several states have, you know, if someone is experienced or highly experienced, it's it's one of the reasons Safe Leagues doesn't run any leagues on Sleeper yet because there's no way to mark a team in a league as experienced or highly experienced. Um, and, and I suppose there there are ways around it that Safe Leagues could do by, you know, if you want to play in a Sleeper League, you basically have to not be an experienced pe- person, you know, so that we don't have to worry about those notations. But experience there. Makes- what sorry is there a way to do that on my fantasy league yeah yeah there is like you you can put icons next to people but we put a module we put a draft module on the front page that has these icons etc okay yep more than 500 contests entered you're experienced uh if you've won 2500 dollars cumulative across five plus contests you're experienced highly experienced is more than a thousand contests entered or has winnings totaling a thousand dollars in three or more contests. That means you've won three contests in three different contests. You've won a thousand dollars in each of those or more. And the sites have them. If you go on FFPC, you'll see, you know, stars next to people's names and same with NFFC. Um, it's just a legal thing that, that you need to do to make sure people know who the experienced and highly experienced players are. 
it's it's just a simple fun note but you'll notice those this one's something that lots of people know uh due to dfs laws actually is is where it comes in but it comes in the same with uh same with us if you have a contest someone can only enter 150 entries into that contest max and I'm sure you've seen that play out, especially with that husband and wife that had 150 or the boyfriend, girlfriend that had 150 each and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, a single person can only have 150 entries into any contest that usually doesn't come into play in redraft and uh dynasty though, because you don't have 150 person dynasty leagues. Right. <laughs> but there are States, uh, Massachusetts, Missouri, Maine, etc. It seems like states with M's maybe like this rule <laughs> that if you have a contest of 12 people or fewer, you can only have one ent- one person enter. So if you're thinking of doing some kind of weird, fun, like 12 team league where everybody has two teams in it, you can't legally do that. Um, <laughs> so, so I guess, I guess there's that. These are, these are least less fun factoids, but I think Maybe someone finds it interesting. This this is a big one. This is an interesting one. This is a really interesting one, for me at least. But it, it makes a lot of sense when people think about the overlay in the DFS world. But payouts have to be set. They have to be set each year. And here's the fun thing about Dynasty Leagues. Each year is considered a contest. And then the next year is like a new contest. So each year is a new contest. But... Payouts have to be set each year. You can't change them during the year. Like dur- or you can't change them during the contest, right? Before someone enters a contest, it has to, it has to be set. You cannot run a contest where the amount of, of paid to the winners changes. Like this is why, for example, you can't say if 200 people enter this contest, this is what the payouts will be. Or if 300 people enter this contest, this is what the payouts will be. They have to be set at the start. It's also a reason why when someone buys an orphan in our dynasty leagues for more than cost, they're like, does that go into the pot for, you know, does does the winner get extra money? Nope. Because the payouts had to be set. But yeah, that's that's why you never see any of those 40% to first type. You don't see percentages. You see exact amounts. And so when someone enters a DFS contest, those are the exact amounts. And if they don't get enough people to pay, make those payouts, that's what's called overlay, you know, where the company is digging into their own pockets to pay it out because they those payouts have to be set. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say or was going to ask um, to clarify there percentages don't even work. Yeah. Um, you cannot do and, percentages. And yeah. Nope. You hit that one. Okay. Yep. My personal playoff league does that. That's my personal league. That's, that's, uh, you know, and lots of people do personal things that do that. That's safe leagues could never do that. Cause it's, it's, you just can't do that. Uh, if I'm running one personal playoff league, yeah, I can do that. You can do that with your home league. It's not a big deal, but a legal contest operator can't run a contest like that. I think everyone knows this winnings. If someone wins $600 or more net, that means the amount they win minus entry fees paid. You got to fill out a W nine. We got to send you a 1099. Sure. Many people know that already. The $600 rule can't change the rules. Once a contest starts uh, for safe leagues contest, that's kickoff week one. Um, most places have some act of God wording 
And last year, I think that COVID came into place for that on lots of sites. We're, we're able to, you know, slightly adjust things to help with that. Um, and, uh, that act of God, that act of God wording in, you know, in either rules or state, <laughs> state <laughs> regulations, whatever. Um, I think that might've gotten triggered a couple times last year, but I, I don't think there was a whole lot of complaining when it did, you know, and, and some people, some places probably worded their rules vaguely enough that it was fine. Anyway, <laughs> I don't think we really had to deal with any of that though. Yeah. I know there were some waiver run changes. I, I remember that. Um, I actually can't remember even what side it was. I would, I, I don't uh, care to mul- say multiple. I'm sure multiple. Yeah. Multiple had to push a waiver run, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We had to push right, a waiver Tuesday run. games and, and all of those yep. things that, that happened. Uh, yep. So, but something even as, you know, I guess relative, relatively minute as that changing the days, the waivers run is considered changing the rules and normally something that would be a no, no. Yeah. Nor in a normal year without, you know, without active God level, like I, I, that sounds really strong. Like you expect like hurricane or something, but something completely out of, out of the operator's control, like the NFL deciding it was going to change the schedule for that week. Um, Things that they couldn't have, you know, they couldn't have, or didn't really prepare for, you know, it's, it's strong wording, but it's, you know, it's meant to cover things like that. And it's usually like a last resort, but it happens. It happens where the NFL changes something or your host site, you know, like we use MFL. If someone's using a different host site to be a contest operator or they're using MFL or maybe their host site has some kind of issues, you know, like, it goes down and they have to like their site goes down and they have to do waivers another day that I feel like that falls under it. Probably. I think you can make, they could make a pretty good case that that falls under it. Um, I already mentioned the interesting thing about dynasty leagues that each year is a separate contest and people are paid out. And then the next contest, the next year is a new contest and everybody is joining a pre-existing dynasty league. It's a completely new contest. It doesn't feel like it though. You know, in Dynasty, you feel like I join a Dynasty League. They, you know, that's this is this one contest. I'm in it for seven years. That's not how fantasy contests work. They get paid out at the end of the year, and you join a pre-existing Dynasty League. And that's why things can, you know, change slightly from year to year in those. You know, they can move with the times a little bit because people are joining a new contest the next year. I, I know, you know, from time to time in my leagues, my personal leagues, and probably – you know, probably yours and everyone else's as well. You'll have a manager leave in the middle of the year for right. some reason. Sure. Um, what what is what are the options when that happens in in safe leagues or in other legal contests? Can can they be replaced in the middle of the year? Yep. Do you run it out? What happens? I love this because. This is something that you you will frequent, and I know that I know a company that used to do this before they went under. They used to run the team for for the, for the empty team. They used to make trades for the empty team oh, if they thought oh the trades goodness. would would help it as an orphan the next year, etc. They used to do all that stuff. You can't do that. 
<laughs> you can't do that. Our our system and our rules have, you know, the MFL lineup setter can set the lineup until we find a, a replacement, but we can't make waiver claims. We can't make trades. We can't we can't do stuff like that. You can't actively manage a team in a in a legal contest. Um if you have a, if you have rules and a host system that, you know, will set a lineup for it or set, you know, set the lineup based on a third party application or be, or based on the host application, you know, that, that can go through, but you can't, you can't do that. You can't run a team for a league. You, it's, it's just a big no, no, <laughs> but I like that you brought that up. I did mention that States have, you know, fees in the 5k to 50k range, uh, you also have to pay taxes. Some states as high as fifteen percent tax on fantasy games, which is really expensive barrier to entry for a contest operator. But it also tells you why some of these rakes exist. Like, imagine fifteen percent is going to taxes. You know, right? So, I mean, to be a contest, a legal contest operator, I mean, you you really need. I mean, dozens of leagues at least, right? Oh yeah. Just to just to you know to even break even. Once you talk about taxes, if and, you're legal, yeah, right. So right. if there's if there's somebody out there running ten leagues, twenty leagues, probably just another good sign that they're either a bad business person or they are not running legal contest. Yeah, they're they're. They're, they're probably running leagues to get some beer money or something. Um, yeah. The, I've, t- I've talked to companies that have, you know, entered this field and entered this field within the last few years. And I think the lowest amount I've heard of any of them raising before they jumped into this, this field is about th- is 300,000 and they had their own money too. <laughs> so it's there. Like I said, there's, it's quite a barrier to entry. But I wanted to go on something you, where you were just going with that, is that, you know, without the having your own a ton of your own money or backing or investors or or and stuff like that. I don't I don't know people's story. You know, there might be someone out there that they're like like uh, you know them and their buddy. One's like a financial guy, and one and I'm only giving this example because this is the two founders of Sleeper, right? One is like a major financial guy, and the other guy is. Uh, a coder, like a developer, like a full stack developer. If that's your starting place, maybe you can get into the get into the space on less capital, you know, less than that three hundred thousand. If like that's your starting base, if if you have those two as the start of your company, you might be able to do that, right? That that would cut costs tremendously. I, I, I guess I wanted to dive into the people who are sitting here listening to this, going. I run 27 leagues. Like, should I be, how concerned should I be? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have had people reach out to me about this in the past and I've reached out to people in the past as well. Um, just, just in case, you know, cause like, I don't want anyone getting in trouble. Right. You know, like I support this industry. I want, I, I, I just want people to make sure they're doing things fine. Right. So um, the first question I always get is what's the amount of leagues to start worrying. I can honestly say, I know someone who got contacted by a state running 20 leagues, you know, actually a couple in that 20 to 35 league range league range. So it can happen in that range. And you could probably argue that they're personal leagues or just as easily stop. 
I also know someone who was running in the hundreds and never got contacted before they stopped, you know? So it, it all depends. It all depends. I, I do feel like we're getting into an era where there are more and more states regulating, legislating. There are probably more, like, it might come to the point where states are watching this closer. Like five years ago, they were barely watching this at all. And as we move on, I think people are going to watch more and more. Uh, so I think it's getting tighter out there. I do want to make a point to mention, I love that things are getting more regulated. It's great for the end user. Um, you you can be secure in knowing that your money is safe and it's like it's legally required to be put in escrow or something similar and your money can't be touched and it's you're going to get your funds for your prizes. You remember Phenoms, Ryan, back in the oh, day? Yes. When, yes. Phenoms, abscond, like they were a, an illegal commissioner service and they absconded with everybody's money. They, they were touching it. They were spending it and, and they disappeared. Another interjection point that this isn't new either. There have been multiple, several sites that have done that since Phenoms. Phenoms was like very talked about at the time. So I, I brought that up on the show, but uh, there were a couple other in the last couple of years. And just last year, uh, fantasy sports are us uh, FSRU fantasy leagues did the same thing. They didn't pay out all their leagues and they, they'd been running illegally for 15 years. Like a ton of people had been, you know, in those leagues and all the money just disappeared and, and they disappeared. And there are lots of them out there. You just don't hear about them usually. So, um, so I like regulation. Uh, it's good for the end user. It's a pain in the butt for us, but it's it's good for the industry and it's good for users. Stealing all that money from tons and tons of leagues. Like I, I love that the this legal side is getting is becoming more and more you know regulated because it's good for the users, except for the rake part, which users don't like. But you know, currently that's it's just it's the cost we have to you know it's the cost of doing business on it right now. Uh, yeah, those like those funds have to be they can't be mixed like in all these states. They, they have to be separated from business operational funds. You can't take in entry fees from the leagues and use that money to do other stuff. And then, you know, at the end of the year, oh, I, I have enough money to pay them out. That's good. No, it has to be completely separate. And and <laughs> I counted at least 14 states that have laws on being separate and at least 13 that require financial audits every year. Like they have, they come in and check your accounting every year. Like that's, that's the threshold, man. If you want to be legal in States, get ready to have, have States make sure that your, the, your prize fund money isn't a separate account and they're going to audit you every year to make sure like that's, that's what's going to happen. If you want to, do you want, you hear all this stuff. Do you want to enter the contest operator space, Ryan? Like I kind of want to get out as I'm talking. As I'm talking about it, like if we didn't have a full-time compliance guy and lawyers, like, like we have one guy, his full-time yearly job, his job all year long, full-time is knowing compliance for, it's, it's unreal. Yeah. I mean, and it seems like more and more I'm seeing people run these types of leagues. I mean, I can think of two people, you know, that I follow on Twitter that run leagues like this and, as I said at the top of the show, I was one of them, you know, a yeah. few years ago. And I know you've reached out to these people because we're not trying to be watchdogs. Like you no. said, we're not. Yeah, we're not That's, reporting anything. 
but I'm just like, also... be careful, buddy. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's just, uh, it, it's kind of scary. Yeah. My advice if that, to, if that yeah. guy quits tweeting one day, I'm, I'm just going to assume he's in jail. Oh man. See, I, like <laughs> I kind of want uh, you to tell me off air. So I know what's know who you're talking about, but, uh, cause I, I don't know. I feel like there've been a couple that I've, I've talked to when I noticed that I'm like something, you know, the direction you're headed might be a road you don't want to go down. If you, if you mm. know the, you know, all the details of all of this. Right. Um, my, I guess my advice to those, the, wh- whoever you're talking about and like really anyone listening that I know there was a guy who mentioned to me a couple weeks ago that he was thinking about this space. And I mentioned, I don't know his story. Like, I don't know if he's, you know, like him and a couple buddies, like they, they have finance, they have development. Like, I don't, I don't know his story, but um, so this is partly to him, but partly to, you know, like if that doesn't, if this doesn't sound like a road you want to walk down and, and if you're out there and you're running 10, 20 leagues, you're pro- probably, don't worry. I'm sure you probably don't have a worry at all. Um, But uh, I would say, keep it personal. Don't have it be like yeah. money going into yeah. your business. Don't have, definitely don't have like a site with like join links, join dynasty leagues, join redraft leagues. Like, like don't have a site (laughs) that, that you're going to have a tough time. Like if you get caught, but like if New Jersey catches you and they're like, they want to levy a $30,000 fine against you and you have a website with join links and stuff. Good. Like good luck proving that it's just personal leagues. Right. At that point, like stay away from putting like, those legal terminology, like stay away from putting, you, you can't play if you're in these states on your site, et cetera. Like doing that stuff will tell a state that you're clearly doing this as a business. And if you're doing this as a business and you're not following a ton of the stuff that I've said already, and I've, I've probably barely scratched the surface. I've just given some fun, interesting tidbits, man. <laughs> you're not going to be able to prove that they're just personal leagues. So I would say stay on the personal side. If it's just, you know, 10, 15, 20, whatever leagues that you enjoy doing, um, make it seem small and simple and personal. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, that, that keeps you in a very, very low risk zone. If, if you do it that way, if you, if you, if you don't, you know, if you don't have that kind of stuff, I mentioned before, and this this sucks. And I actually reached out to someone who was doing it charity based, but charity doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. if it's it sucks, but that's that's what I know with SFB. That like as even if if I if I had an entry fee for SFB, but every penny went to charity, it does not matter. Now, would a state like find me, or would they like would a state go after me if they knew that's what it was? Maybe not. I don't know. But I'm not. I'm super low risk. I'm, I'm risk averse. I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna try it because I know it's illegal. So options, you can partner with someone who's licensed and my kids just got home. (laughs) (laughs) You can partner with someone who's licensed. DLF partners with safe leagues. We run, we run DLF champions cup leagues. Could DLF enter this space on their own with enough capital? Could they, could they maybe, but they don't because it's so much easier to just partner with someone who's already doing it legally. Football guys, they run the Football Guys Players Championship. They they run leagues. Uh, they don't run leagues at all. FFPC runs them legally, but they have like a marketing thing, you know, like they mm-hmm. partner with them, just like DLF partners with me. 
and by the time this airs, and I'll edit this out if it isn't, but Rotoviz is partnering with FFPC to run some dynasty leaks. Partnering with someone, you're good. Or you can get bought out. Like Data Force bought out Apex. Some states require a 51% ownership. Some require 100% ownership, like New York and stuff. So basically, your best bet is, uh, you know, if you're in this situation, let one of these companies buy you out and be 100% owners. And then, <laughs> you know, you can still run them, but you're 100% owned. Like, uh, I believe Apex is running in New York, so that means they're 100% owned by Dataforce. You you cannot be under someone's license. That That's the point I'm going to. Like, if Ryan McDowell, like, was running 30 leagues on his own, his hyperactives or whatever, and you came to me and you're like, can I be under your license? I can't do it. We have to 100% buy you out because we're in New York. You have to, mm. and Virginia is 100% as well. We have to 100% own your company. You can run them and we can pay you to run them, but we have to 100% own your company in order for that to work. We, we've dealt with this with a couple places that, you know, we, we thought about going into this area of, you know, having other companies run under our license and we own a percentage or whatever. Um, and just there's too many states that it's just flat out illegal that you have to be 51 percent in some states. And some of the major states like New York is 100 percent. You have to be 100 percent owned. So that's that's why we've never gone down that road. But you can partner with a legal site or you can, you know, you can see if a legal site will own you and like own your company and pay you um, X amount to run these leagues and, and and, uh, do what you do what you do, you know? So, um, and then they would have to go through your identity verification and geolocation. But the most common is just to partner with someone is, is really the, really the safest, easiest, best way to do it. That way you, you don't have to worry about anything. Like it's all on the other place and you can still, you know, it, maybe they'll even have you be a contractor where you can run the leagues, but you gotta, it's gotta be under a legal operator. You can partner it. I feel like I went through a bunch of stuff. I don't even know if this is, I'm, I'm going to have to edit the crap out of this episode. This might be <laughs> one of those episodes, Ryan, where I add stuff later. Like, Oh, <laughs> You're going to make me listen back, huh? <laughs> like I think of something and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to add this in this part. Or maybe I, you know, move stuff around because talked about something in a weird spot or whatever. Man, it's crazy. The Delaware and Virginia, 50,000. That's just crazy, right, Ryan? We don't pay for Delaware. Safe Leagues doesn't pay for Delaware. There, that's. I think Nick Sulsky was talking about this on uh, on. Uh, Nick Herculano's podcast, how like some states just aren't worth it. Like, are we yeah. going to make enough money? Like Missouri, like Missouri's also like 50,000, like underdog just got into Missouri and you have to weigh that. Like, are we going to make $50,000 from people who live in Missouri? Like, is it worth it to be in Missouri? So that's something as a contest contest operator with some of these states with big fees, you have to sit and weigh like, is it worth paying X amount of dollars? Am I going to get it back? Is it, am I going to get that return on investment, that ROI there? It's a very interesting dynamic with all of that. But if I forgot something, I'll, I'll add it later and no one will ever know that it wasn't on the podcast originally. <laughs> what do you think, Ryan? Did you learn anything? Anything interesting in there? 
Yeah, we've we've had some conversations like these over the years, but I, yeah, I still learned a lot. Yeah, I just I, I learned that I don't want to be a, a contest operator. Yeah, I say I mean, all you, that out loud. And, yeah, and I I say that all out, out loud, knowing that this is like these are like major bullet points. And like, there's so much more like we, our compliance guy put together a giant document, like a giant Excel with state by state. Like there's like a state like Tennessee has some auto drafting laws, right? You know, like, like it goes that deep. There are, there are like little tiny things that you have to be aware of. And um, it's, it's super interesting to me, but note that this is just the bullet pointed version of, of this, this podcast. This is, this is just some of the fun, interesting main points. That was our episode on uh, just some of the legal aspects of running a fantasy contest operator. Hopefully you found it interesting. Maybe, maybe not, I guess if you're out there and you have any, you actually have questions or you're interested in some of the stuff, reach out, man, reach out. I'd, I'd love to hear from you. I, I love talking about this stuff, but anyway, we will be back in a couple weeks with, our normal episodes, we have so many, Ryan, we have like 10 ideas in the email of league ideas. I'm Ooh, not kidding. I Well, maybe, I, there, I think there's about seven, seven or eight interesting league ideas for us to go over on the show. Like those are my, those are the my favorite ones. Yep. So, mine too. Yeah. So if you have anything to email us, uh, interesting league ideas, bad commission stories, questions, uh, anything. Send us an email, commissionpod at gmail.com. Go to commissionpod.com. You can subscribe to our Substack newsletter there. What what do they get in that newsletter, Ryan? Oh, they get weekly content, uh, at least once weekly. We might throw in throw in a few extra things too. We've been talking about some interesting league ideas of our own. We have talked about our favorite league settings in, in dynasty leagues and, and really any fantasy league. Um, and really the big draw I think has been a chance to win an entry into the next Scott fishbowl, which uh, we're going to be talking about talking about that more and more very soon. Oh man, it's going to get exciting. It's going to get exciting. So, for me, Scottfish24 on Twitter, Ryan McDowell at RyanMC23 on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.